0: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Benny and the Bets.
1: What's good, everybody? Welcome in. It is Benny and the Bets, getting you ready for week six in the National Football League. I am joined this week by my good friend, Ian McMillan, my former colleague over at FanSided and Bet Sided, we are of course presented by the good folks over at PXG, uh, who reminds you that if you have an opportunity to go in for a fitting, it is $25 for a full custom fit this week. Over at PXG, I got my set uh, right over to the side. I'm I'm sporting the uh, the, uh, PXG pullover today that I got as part of the new fall sale. Ian, I, I feel like I, I come to the show usually feeling good, feeling prepared, feeling like uh, when I'm wearing my, my PXG gear, I'm feeling styling. Uh, you always seem to bring it. I don't know whether it's been like Ian in New York from versus Ian in Nova Scotia, like the the style got raised, but you're looking sharp, my man. it's great to see you.
2: Thank you, my friend. Yeah, it's it's great to see you. Great to talk to you again. I got to get myself one of them PXG uh, golf shirts as well because I I do love to rock a good golf shirt. So uh, yeah, Ben, it's 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 good to talk to you again.
1: Yeah, it's great. Um, I will say this is uh, ideal. You know, in New York in October, this is ideal pullover season. So yes, um, you, you should be fully set. By the way, if you haven't had a chance, in addition to all the work that Ian does over at BetSided and fan-sided you should be listening to the Bacon Bets podcast as well. To supplement your betting plays uh, each and every week, what I love about it is that Ian goes through all 272 games, the road to 272. So even if it's uh, a lean, Ian, you have made a commitment for several years now uh, to not just bet the games that you know you love, but to provide uh, a helpful perspective on all of them and almost hold yourself accountable for your research throughout the course of the week.
2: Yeah, 272 games, 272 bets. This is my fourth year doing it, betting on every single NFL game. I think the first year I did it, there was fewer games. That was before Week 18 was a thing. So I think it was 256 back then. Now it's the road to 272. I need them to stop uh, expanding the regular season or else it's going to be tough to keep. On betting every single game every single week but yeah uh I, i've had success with it uh I, i'm somehow profitable through three years and five weeks doing it i hope to continue to be at least a little bit profitable but uh it's fun but also it makes sunday stressful because instead of just having a couple of bets it's not something i certainly i certainly don't recommend other people doing it uh because sundays are when i have eight nine bets going on at once it's uh, you're happy about this plane and then upset about this play and it's Sundays are stressful. So um, it's not for the fate to hurt.
1: I, I've actually been meaning to ask you this even when we were working together, and I I'd never, I, I must have just gone out one part of my head throughout the other, and then it's magically popped in at this very moment. Uh, as a proud Canadian native, for somebody that has a bacon costume, uh, I'm a bit surprised now that I think about it. Was there not a Canadian bacon costume?
2: Why are you going with the traditional, more strip bacon as opposed to the circle bacon for your costume? Canadian bacon is not a thing in Canada. Uh, it is a it's thing that, a, what
1: that Americans call it.
2: Yeah, it's a thing that, like, <laughs> Americans like to bring up. Oh, Canadian bacon. To us, it's, I think it's we just call it ham. I don't even think we have a specific thing that you can buy that's Canadian. Isn't it just circled bacon? But circle. it's like, kind of like ham. I like. I don't even know if I've ever seen Canadian bacon, so... That is not something Canadians eat or talk about, really. It's something more that's like become like a meme for Americans to say about Canadians. So I've never even ate Canadian bacon. I don't right. know what a Canadian bacon costume would look like. I, I I think it would
1: just be like a circular piece of ham, yeah. and then you, your head and your arms would be sticking out of it. I, I don't know. I'm as as a, as a Jewish person who grew up not eating any sort of pig for you know the first eighteen years of my life. Um, You know, if my mom is listening, sorry, mom. Um, You know, I'm just going to plead ignorance on this one just because I just thought as well was what it was called.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm sticking to the, to this, uh, the strip, the strip bacon, bacon strips. That's, that's, that's my preferred way to eat bacon. Maybe someday I'll I'll go to a grocery store and try to find Canadian bacon and see if I like it, but I I think I'm, I'm going to stick with the strips. I see the, the YouTube headline now Canadian reviews
1: slash tries Canadian bacon (laughs) for the first time and then just. The, the, TikTok will, the TikTok reaction will be likely amazing. So, there you go. We were able to, to brainstorm a, a content idea together. Um, so, here's what we're going to do over the course of today's show, because we are doing the show after the Chiefs game. Uh, and for anybody that uh, did spend their three-plus hours on a Thursday night watching whatever that was on Thursday, I'm sorry. I hope that uh, you took the Chiefs at minus 10.5. Uh, I wouldn't have advised it because uh, the Chiefs tend to not cover large spreads. But uh, thanks to the pure ineptitude of Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, Kansas City was able to get it done and win it 19-8. to 8. When you look at Kansas City as a whole, Ian, and we will get to the rest of the slate coming up over the course of today's show, but I am curious to get your perspective on what you've seen from the Chiefs so far, both just as a team that is among the the top of the AFC for futures bets still at this point of the season, um, whether or not their road to the Super Bowl still feels like a favorable one. And if you have any concerns about the the lack of identity right now that they seem to be showing on offense besides Mahomes and Kelsey.
2: Yeah, the offense is certainly a concern, but also I, I think it's fair to say that the Chiefs have the best defense they've had with Patrick Mahomes on their team, which is just with, simply with Andy Reid probably as well. Yes, I feel like there were maybe some good defenses right before Mahomes showed up on us like 2014. Uh, I think they had a couple good defenses, but regardless, this could still even be the best defense I've had since Andy Reid has showed up as well, which is not fair because it's not fair to also to have the best quarterback, the best player in the NFL, to also have a good defense on his team because in years past, teams could beat the Chiefs if they could slow down Mahomes in the Chiefs' offense. Right. Um, this year, and we saw it on Thursday night, even if you slow down the Chiefs' offense and keep them with to you know to a reasonable score, it might not matter because you might not be able to move the ball against the defense, which is exactly what we saw uh, with the Broncos. So, yes, I am concerned about the offense a little bit, um, but also the, this is the year that they have the defense that can kind of back up and support the offense, something they didn't have to a certain extent. They always have fine defenses, but uh, they didn't have great defenses the past few years. So it's certainly a different version of of the Chiefs, um, and one that can still go on a Super Bowl run and potentially win the Super Bowl, but just do it in a different fashion than they've done the past few years.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talk about their defensive stats this year so far. They're second in the league in opponent points per play, fifth in opponent yards per game, one of your favorite stats in opponent yards per play, they rank seventh, and they're third in opponent points per play as well. They've been great top 10 in uh, handling teams on third down. Like it, It almost feels like the type of numbers for this team defensively Are what we've become accustomed to for so many years under Mahomes offensively, it's almost hard to figure out that shift. And I think a game like yesterday is a really perfect example of what that type of a defensive effort can do when the offense isn't going. Because in years past, the Chiefs always have a handful of games every year where they just kind of putz around and don't really establish anything. And They are kind of lazy on both sides of the ball. And those are the the stupid games that they lose when you know that they're the more talented team. When you have that kind of a defense, you can bail out the offense far more often. And the Chiefs are still going to score enough points. They're still averaging more than 24 points a game to the point where they have as good of a chance as anybody to have that number one seed in the AFC and get right back to Super Bowl contention. Because now all of a sudden, what was a, a glaring weakness is now a clear strength.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I would say in terms of the Chiefs offense, I actually think what might be their biggest issue, um, because they're actually still moving the ball relatively okay in my opinion, but they just they're not getting the ball in the end zone. The red zone offense, not good. Seventeenth in the NFL, yep. and red zone offense only scoring a fifty four point one seven percent of red zone trips. So, um yeah, if 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 they if they do take on a team that has a high powered offense, then they might run into trouble because it's gonna be tough to beat. You know, the Bills of the NFL and the the Dolphins of the NFL by scoring field goals. So uh, it is going to be a very interesting team to watch and follow along as the season goes on. But I also, I expect the Chiefs offense to pick things up as it goes along. They're, they're going to figure something else. Patrick Mahomes.
1: Right. Do you look at their futures odds? And yes, it's still, you're paying a premium for the Chiefs. Um, There's still a plus 550 to win the Super Bowl. Only the 49ers uh, are lower at draftkings talked about where they rank amongst the uh, top teams in the afc is there any sort of future that you look at for kansas city knowing that they could still very well go out and try to get themselves a top tier wide receiver before the deadline and say yeah even though the price still remains low for odds that there is value now before they go out and try and make a move
2: yeah i think yeah i think so um because if I were to kind of bet on the Chiefs, I think I might just do just to win the AFC instead of the Super Bowl because every team in the AFC, which is strange because before the season started, everyone talked about how the AFC is like the strongest conference in recent NFL history. But every team at the top does kind of have a flaw. Um, the Dolphins, their defense has, has been bad at times this year. The Bills, for some reason, just don't show up some games. Uh, the Ravens offense has had trouble uh, getting the ball moving uh, at times. So every team in the AFC at least has one flaw. But when I look at the NFC, the two top teams, and maybe even tossing the Lions in there, because, I mean, the Lions did beat the Chiefs already this season. The 49ers aren't flawed whatsoever. Uh, they don't have a single weakness on that entire team, offensive, defensive, special teams. The Eagles, even though they haven't shown you know, their A game yet this year, they're still undefeated. They're winning games where they still um, haven't you know shown their, shown their A game yet. I, I expect them to get going as the season goes on. So whoever wins the AFC... I have a lot of concerns for them in the Super Bowl um, if they do play against the 49ers team or an Eagles team. But the AFC as a whole, like I said, every top team is flawed. So I think the Chiefs are the least flawed team in the AFC right now, but I just don't know how they're going to stack up against the winner of the NFC, which makes me nervous to bet on their Super Bowl odds.
1: Yeah, totally reasonable take because, again, it's... Uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't, because you go up against the 49ers, I think even Chiefs fans would say, yeah, it, it's a scary matchup given... How consistent they are on both sides of the ball, and you still have Mahomes. So you're, I think you go in with a little bit more optimism than maybe most teams. And then the, the Eagles, they've they've kind of lucked their way into some wins this year, if you yep. look at sort of overall metrics. But I, I don't doubt their ability, especially even with a young secondary, to put those pieces together, especially knowing Kansas City the way that they do from a season ago, the extra motivation there, like. You're right. I, I I think that might be the more opportunistic bet because there really shouldn't be a team in the AFC that scares Kansas City right now. And if you want to throw a Darth throw, maybe like a Jacksonville at plus fifteen hundred to win the AFC. I I just think you're getting better value as opposed to taking a team like Miami or Buffalo at plus four hundred or the Ravens or the Chargers in that in that realm. Maybe Cincinnati uh, if you believe that they finally turn the corner. They're also fifteen to one, but I think it's the Chiefs by a wide margin in that league right now and then kind of everybody else after that.
2: Yeah, on a neutral field, I think the Chiefs are favored against every single team in the AFC. I would not set them favorites against the 49ers. And I will say, I mean, and this is all hypothetical because, I mean, the 49ers and Eagles, to get to the Super Bowl, they still have to win their own conference. But uh, the one biggest weakness of this Chiefs defense, which should worry some people, is actually they haven't done a great job stopping the run this year. Their secondary has been unbelievable. Um, but below average, actually, you can kind of run defense, especially in, like, advanced analytics, like, opponent like yeah, rush EPA. Um, what do the 49ers and Eagles do better than anything else? Run the football. So that Super Bowl, potential Super Bowl matchup is extremely worrisome, but I I think if you gave me the Chiefs at a pick em price or even, like, a one- or two-point favorite against any other team in the AFC right now, I think I would take the Chiefs. Fine.
1: Plenty more ahead. Ian McMillan of BetSide and Side is with us. He's also the host of the Bacon Bets podcast. So we're going to do kind of what Ian does over the course of his show. We're going to go through the full rest of the matchups, go through them rapid fire here on Benny and the Bets. We will start with the game over in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London with the Ravens and the Titans. That is coming up next. Stay with us. You are listening and watching Benny and the Bets presented by PXG.
0: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on the App Store, or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil or trouble. Manscaped is all new. Handyman is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treats this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code KCSN for 20% off, plus free shipping. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel-size package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. There's no trick with this treat. Manscaped has you covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with code KCSN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code KCSN. For a look as sweet as candy, get
3: yourself the
0: handyman from Manscaped.
3: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts. All right, Ian McMillan from
1: Fan Sided and BetSided. is here. We are going to go through the rest of the slate with Kansas City and Denver playing on Thursday. So let's kick things off with a game over in London. It's now the third straight week of London games, uh, the first not featuring, featuring the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, so congrats on them for going back to their you know actual original home. But you have the Ravens and the Titans, depending on where you look. We're going to use the odds over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Ravens are a four-point favorite on the neutral site field. Low total in this game at 42. You know, I, I think the the natural narrative coming off of, of these types of matchups, Ian, is that Baltimore could not get anything going offensively. But you have to remember the environment that they were in. They've always had struggles against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's defense especially under Mike Tomlin, has played terrific at home. They've been one of the best covering teams and best underdog outright teams in football since Mike Tomlin took over. Titans, however, you kind of look at Mike Vrabel in a very similar type of realm. Like, this has been a coach historically, I think more so than Tomlin, that has not just covered, but outright won as an underdog over his time in the league. How do you evaluate this matchup? I'm certainly leaning one way and more so towards the Ravens because I do think from a talent level, They're more likely to bounce back. And there's just some issues right now that even with a good game plan and a lot of physical play from Tennessee, I just think it's an entirely different scenario than Baltimore having to go into a division rival in Pittsburgh in the middle of the day. What say you?
2: Yeah, I like the Ravens in this matchup as well. Um, I'm not. Uh, putting too much value in that loss against the Steelers last week. It's just sometimes, especially in football, with the amount of variance, sometimes bad things happen and then just you have one of those games where nothing goes right for you, and that's what happened to the Ravens last week. Uh, A couple of the receivers catch those balls instead of drop them, and it's like a a two-possession win for the Ravens. But they didn't catch them, a couple of ill-time turnovers, and all of a sudden they lost the game. So I think that was just one of those games for the Ravens. Uh, They still are, by a lot of metrics, one of the better teams in the NFL. Uh, Ben, you know my favorite stat, net yards per play, which is you just take the average yards gained per play on offense, subtract the uh, average yards given up per play on defense. Uh, It is the Ravens uh, who come in third in the NFL in net yards per play right now, um, behind only the Dolphins and the 49ers. So this is still a very elite team, in my opinion, despite already having a couple losses on the year, and specifically their defense. Uh, Their defense has been one of the best units in the entire NFL uh, first in in the league and opponent yards per pass attempt, their secondary has been fantastic. Um, so yeah, them being a four point favorite and then and, and what's a neutral site location? I like the Ravens, and also they learn from the mistake the Bills made last week. Week which the Bills went over to London way too late. Uh, you could see it in how they were playing, and the Ravens did the opposite. And I heard a report that they were left to London the er- earlier than any other team has ever done that's gone and played in London. I think they left like first thing Monday to, to get over there and get used to the time change. So I like that move by the Ravens. I think they're the better team. Uh, I'll I'll lay the points to the Ravens. Yeah, and right now at DraftKings, if you're still looking
1: for that four, it's available at the time of taping. I know that some other books have moved it to four and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about your Atlanta Falcons. Uh, nice little streak on the line for, for one Desmond Ritter. Um, has never lost since college a home game in both his college and his NFL career that could be on the line as the Falcons are two and a half point favorites against Washington commanders coming off of a bye week in which they lost uh, to the Chicago bears on Thursday night football. And uh, normally uh, if that's in the mind of most betters that you just got thumped by Chicago and they put up a 40 burger on you, um, you're probably going to want to stay away. The line, however, continues to just sit there, at 2.5, and and it makes me start to think a little bit as well. Don't forget about Ron Rivera, who has been very good over the course of his coaching career as an underdog, especially coming off of extended rest. Do you look at the Falcons and say to yourself, okay, with that defense, with the way that they're able to run the ball, with how Chicago was really able to take control against them a week and a half ago, uh, the Falcons should be in control here, or do you look at it and say, maybe Vegas is telling us something because this line just hasn't moved to three?
2: Yeah, generally, I mean, I know that the Commanders lost last week to the Bears, but I, I I generally think it's a good strategy in the in the NFL to um, not have a short term memory. You got to remember the previous games as well, because I think a lot of NFL bettors kind of fall victim victim to that, and it's a product of teams only playing once a week. Sure. So really, you only think you know, a lot of times, like even though it was four games ago, it feels like it was forever going in, and people kind of forget those games and they just kind of focus on the most recent results. So well, yes, they lost to the Bears. But this is still a dangerous team that has looked good at times this season. Um, I think the line is actually set at the exact correct number. I think two and a half in favor of the Falcons at home is the right number for this game. So uh, when I don't like the spread, I looked at the total instead. And I think there was some value on the over. And We actually have seen that move. Uh, one point, uh, I got to the 41 and a half. I think it's up to 42 or 42 and a half. Well, 42 right now, DraftKings. Perfect. Uh, and there's 42 and a half out there. So if we want to bet it now, DraftKings would be a good place to do it at that 42 number. Um, because the the Commanders, their biggest weakness is on defense being able to stop the run. That is the Falcons' biggest strength on offense. But also with the Commanders' offense, one of their biggest strengths is they have a lot of depth at wide out. And I think that can take advantage of a lack of depth in the Falcons' secondary. I think they can attack them in the middle part of the field. Um and I think they're going to be able to move the ball against the Falcons defense that it actually has, for the most part, looked pretty good this season, but I just don't know how well they match up against this Washington team. So it's still a relatively low total, uh, especially because of the types of games Falcons have been playing in this season. But I'm going to kind of zig when other people are zagging here, or at least what the Falcons are based on what the Falcons are doing the past couple of weeks. I like the over. I think it's going to be a, a bit of a shootout. Yeah, I think that makes total sense,
1: especially with a good number at 42 Washington ranks 31st in the league in points per game, 25th in opponent yards per game, 30th in points per play, 29th in opponent yards per play. Um, bottom five as well on converting for opponents on fourth down. Where they've actually been fairly good is in the red zone. Uh, they're sixth in the league uh, at opponent red zone scoring percentage. So if they're able to stop Atlanta, uh, who has been one of the better teams in the NFL in scoring in the red zone, particularly because of, of Bijan and, getting guys out and and moving their run game around. Uh, Arthur Smith is really good at a lot of these matchups. And so I think there's going to be plenty of scoring at will. Uh, And for Washington, like you said, you're starting to see a little bit more of an emergence with Curtis Samuel. Uh, They got Antonio Gibson going a little bit more. That's a nice little weapon for them to have. I I could see the semesterly in the dome going a little bit more back and forth. So I think the over is a great play there. Uh, Let's continue on to a matchup that uh, maybe not so interesting. Uh, Carolina and Miami Dolphins are a 14 point favorite at home. Um, One interesting note about the Panthers, and and I mentioned this last year a lot, um, you know, Frank Wright, first five games of the season throughout the course of his NFL coaching career, one of the worst in history, like uh, a winning percentage, basically around 40%. But then week six on, you know, he's been really good, didn't really have that opportunity last year after he got canned by the Colts. Um, you also have to remember that Reich is playing and coaching a different quarterback in every season that he's been a head coach as well. 14 is a lot, but I, I got to tell you, and I, I saw a nice progression for for Bryce Young from the previous week. And I can't help but wonder if Carolina keeps this a little bit more close with Miami, likely overthinking this game. They got a big game coming up next week as well. 14 just feels like too many more so than not. And yeah, Miami can score with anybody in the Panthers, pets and concerns on defense but I like the underdog to cover if this line goes to 14 and a half that's almost an automatic play for Carolina for me
2: yeah I'm with you uh I like the Panthers it's obviously an ugly bet to make you never feel comfortable betting on one of the worst teams in the NFL against one of the best teams in the NFL but I think this spread has gotten a little bit crazy um for me to lay two touchdowns on a team worth of points I need them to be uh dominant both offensively and defensively and there's obviously no question the Dolphins offense is dominant uh, but their defense. Everyone's focused on their offense. Their defense is a red flag. Twenty-second uh, opponent EPA per play. Eighteenth in opponent yards per play. So most metrics you look at, uh, they are a below-average team uh, defensively. So I don't. I'm not. I don't feel comfortable laying two touchdowns worth of points with a team that has not a great defense. And also one strength for the Panthers, which I think is going to go a huge way in helping them cover this spread. Um, is second in third down defense. Teams are only confer- converting a first down on third down 29.8% of the time against this Panthers defense. If they can keep the Dolphins offense in check, even just a handful of drives, force them to punt uh, instead of going down and scoring, that's massive when it comes to covering a two-touchdown spread. So uh, I like the Panthers quite a bit. It's obviously ugly because they're not a good football team, but this, this spread's gotten a little bit out of hand.
1: One other game that I was a bit surprised at how low the total was, was for the Vikings and for the Bears. Uh, total comes in at 43 over at DraftKings. The Vikings are three-point favorites on the road against Chicago. Vikings coming off a, a pretty tough loss in which they they really fought their asses off, I thought, against Kansas City at home. Just ultimately got outmatched and not having Justin Jefferson um, for really a lot of that second half, anywhere near close to being healthy and then not having him at all. Uh, was obviously detrimental for them and really rough. At the same time, now you have an opponent in Chicago that hasn't won a home game since September of 2022. And yeah, they're coming off of a win and have extended rest, but I, how do you view this matchup? And, and are you also looking at the total given how rough Chicago's defense has been? I know they played well in the game against Washington, but you know Thursday night football games, you kind of have to take with a grain of salt. I kind of look at this line and say... 43, even without Justin Jefferson, the Vikings can still move the ball. And the Bears, especially if Fields is really starting to get comfortable in this offense, you can move the ball against Minnesota as well. I I think I'm leaning over here.
2: Yeah, I'm taking the the Vikings, uh, laying the points of the Vikings, but I certainly don't mind the over bet whatsoever. I think that's actually a pretty good look. Uh, I believe the Bears are the only team this season that the over is hit in all five games, I think.
1: Yep, Uh, Yep, and up until the game against Washington, they had, I believe, 14 consecutive games of allowing 25 points or more. They gave up 20 to Washington, so it wasn't that much of an
2: improvement, but an improvement nonetheless. Yeah, which is strange because, you know, for, you know, decades, the Bears were always a good defense, bad offense type of team, and it seems yep. to be a, at least a little bit flipped uh, this well, season. Well, so. well aware of uh, uh, the yeah. <laughs> Bears history. Uh, yeah, so they're always a uh, good, I mean, maybe that even kind of their history is just kind of baked into the total. Maybe uh, teams just still expect the Bears to be, you know, the Bears of old, but this is a new version of the Bears. And yeah, even with Justin Jefferson sideline for the, for the Vikings, I'd still think they can move the ball. This Bears defense, 31st. An opponent yards per pass attempt. The Vikings still have weapons like Jordan Addison, KJ Osborne, TJ TJ Hawkinson. It's not like Justin Jefferson. While obviously their best option was not their only option, uh, option offensively, they do have other guys to go to. I think their offense will be completely fine. Um, and I think the Vikings. The Vikings have been kind of an interesting team for me this season because they were, they've actually been the complete opposite of last year's version of the team where last year I felt they won a lot of games they didn't deserve to win, and this year they're losing a lot of games that they actually did deserve to win. So they're actually the complete opposite. I think they're the best one-win team in the NFL right now, so I'm going to bet the Vikings, but I, I certainly think the over is a great look as well.
1: Yeah, and again, I think it's dependent on whether or not you think Minnesota still considers themselves to be in any sort of contention this year. If they're still going for it, they don't have any plans of trying to move some guys ahead of the deadline... Um, that's further incentive. And also, if you're Chicago, you're starting to take a look at what's going on with Carolina, that possible number one pick. Uh, At one point, I think even a week or so ago, Chicago was going to have the number one and the number two pick in the upcoming NFL draft. So Bears will try. I I just don't know how hard they'll try. And maybe they'll uh, puff out their chest a little bit after, uh, you know, a win against Washington on the road, which is something that they probably shouldn't be doing as well. Um, Another double-digit spread between a team that we talked about previously as the most complete team in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers. They're on the road laying 10 against the Cleveland Browns coming off of a bye week. Cleveland not expected to have Deshaun Watson last time I checked. Very low total in this game, too. at 36, probably uh, second lowest total so far we've seen in the NFL. Um, This is tough for me because... Obviously, Watson being in the lineup, he's had plenty of bad games, but you still know that his ability with the deep ball, get Elijah Moore going, Amari Cooper, like they still are able to be a pretty solid team. Um, now that they're going to a backup quarterback against 49ers, uh, that does some that does cause some concern. But man, ten points over a DraftKings for a home Browns team with a very good defense that's going to yeah. bring a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy. I feel like I got to lay, I feel like I got to go with the underdog here at home in this spot, especially double digits.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people are seeing that the Browns are starting the backup quarterback and just think, oh, backup quarterback against the best team in the NFL, the 49ers are going cr- to crush him. But I, I don't think it's that easy. Um, Deshaun Watson, for the most part, hasn't played well since his return, and right. I don't think he's worth five points because the spread was at five when the odds makers thought Deshaun Watson uh, was playing. Is he better than P.J. Walker? Yes, five points worth? I don't think so. Um, And like you mentioned, this Browns defense, not only are they one of the best defenses, there's an argument made they are the best defense in the NFL right now, uh, keeping teams to just uh, 3.2 yards per carry specifically. So they have the very best run defense, or I should say the second best uh, mark in terms of opponent yards per carry. And what do the 49ers do more than any other team? Run the football. So... In terms of defensive strength going up against offensive strength, it's kind of a, the edge kind of goes towards the Browns here. So even though maybe the Browns offense isn't going to get be able to get much going, it might not matter. I could see this being a low scoring game. I mean, the total's all the way down, I think, at like 35 and a half or 36. Yeah, half. Right. That, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if that goes under. Now, that's gotten to a point where I don't know if I would bet it, but I would much rather just take the team getting 10 points because. I think it's a little bit of an an overreaction here uh, to the Browns going with their back quarterback. I think their defense can keep them in it. Yeah, I I think so too. And again, like that low
1: of a total, that high of a spread, usually that doesn't pair well against taking a massive favorite in most circumstances. So I I, I think Cleveland, I'm with you, is the right play here. Um, AFC South, you got the Colts going to Jacksonville. The Jacksonville Jaguars are back home after two weeks in London. Four-point favorites. Uh, without Anthony Richardson for Indianapolis. Now, Gardner Minshew has come in. Uh, the mustachioed man has played relatively well. And and I and I think Chase Dykin has put himself into legit conversation for, for coach of the year with how well and how surprising the Colts have been really on both sides of the ball. I think we expected um, their offense to eventually make their way into the modern age of football. Uh, but their defense has really done a nice job as well. I I just look at Jacksonville and say to myself, like now that they finally figured out how good they can be and how Trevor Lawrence can really get this offense going, the defense for Jacksonville has been very, very strong throughout the course of the year. And you're still making an adjustment. And it's also been a place that the Colts have been terrible over the last several years in Jacksonville, obviously a new regime and a lot of different players, but, um, I like the way Jacksonville is playing right now. I like their confidence going in and now returning home against the Colts team that's uh, reeling a little bit from not having uh, a very talented playmaker in Richardson. Mitchell can keep them in it. I just don't know if they can win it. And I like Jacksonville to eventually pull away with their improvements on defense.
2: So we uh, disagree uh, on this one, Ben. We have been agreeing on a lot of the sides. Uh, not for this one, though. Uh, you know that one of my favorite things to do is to call out teams for being fraudulent. Um, this year, I've actually uh, been doing a weekly power rankings of the top five most fraudulent teams in the NFL. Topping that list heading into this week uh, is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they're the most fraudulent team in the NFL. Um, really? And it's strange because I was very high on the Jaguars coming into the season. I thought they could have like, actually really contended in the AFC, but their metrics have been terrible. Now, maybe that's just a small sample size. Maybe they're going to figure things out. I know they were obviously a lot better in the second half of the season last year compared to the first half, so maybe we'll see the same thing this year. But you look at net yards per play. Uh, Jaguars, right, 26th in net yards per play. That's one spot below the Bears. That's one spot above the Commanders. Um, A lot of their advance numbers, not good either. Even the last two games that they won, uh, the opponent gained them in terms of yards per play, both the Falcons and the Bills. Now, obviously, a lot more goes into the outcome of a game than just yards per play, but it does kind of give you a sense of why I'm calling this team fraudulent. I don't think... They have, even in the games they won, they have yet to impress me this entire season. Um, So I'm low on the Jaguars. And also, I actually think the Colts are a better team this week with Gardner Minshew. I think starting Anthony Richardson, he obviously has a higher ceiling. I think the more starts he gets, the better he gets. And he's better for the Colts long term. But in terms of what quarterback I think actually makes the Colts a better team this Sunday, I think it's Gardner Minshew. When he's played this year, he's actually, uh, in terms of uh expected completion percentage, uh, over, you know, his actual completion percentage is one of the best marks uh in the entire NFL. He's actually played extremely well the few games that he has played in. Uh Anthony Richardson, like I said, has a higher ceiling. He has more of that playmaking ability. Um, but I trust Gardner Minshew. He's going against his former team. Uh, I'm not bold enough to take the Colts to win all right with but with the points for being over the magic number of three, I love the Colts getting points this week. It's so one of my favorite bets of the week. Wow. Um,
1: the the Jags being the possible fraudulent team that I, I figured, to be perfectly honest, I, I thought that might have been coming for uh, a team we'll talk about later. And then maybe you still have them on your rankings. I'm, I'm sure we'll have to get those out uh, as the show continues. But um, very interesting. Yeah. You know what? I, I feel good that it's taken us, what, six, seven games for us to, to vehemently Disagree on a play. Yes. I wouldn't say vehemently. Um, but, I, but I do like Jacksonville in this spot. Um, create a note from Brandon Anderson over at Action Network that uh, only 11, this actually benefits you. Ian, only 11 times in NFL history has a team come back from Europe without a bye week. And every one of those teams was either tied or trailing in the fourth quarter the following week. Also, the Jaguars 14-2-1 against the spread since 2015 against the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously different Colts, obviously different Jaguars, but an interesting note nonetheless. Uh, one final game in the early afternoon slate, then we'll take a quick break, come back, and go through the late afternoon games and the evening games with Ian McMillan. Uh, the Saints and the Jags, um, a game that I kind of flipped my way to the other side midway through the week. I I initially liked New Orleans uh, going into this game. I was really impressed with their defensive effort. They've been... I think, 0-5 to the under in all their games this year. Uh, But a lot of that is also placed on their offense. Um, But it was good to see them finally utilize some of their weapons and incorporate Kamara back into the pass game. However, this Houston team needs to start getting some credit for the work that CJ Stroud has been able to to put out, his connection with Nico Collins. They finally got the run game going a little bit more with Damian Pierce. Um, Nico Ryan's another guy that I liked as a possible Coach of the Year candidate. Uh, certainly is in the midst of consideration as well with a total of 42 and the Texans at plus one and a half. I'm on the Texans' money line. I grabbed them at plus 106. It's down to plus 102. So again, not that much of a difference. But in these types of scenarios, Ian, like if it's this close, you might as well lean and take the money line here. And that's what I believe Houston, I believe Houston should be favored here slightly. So I like the value that I'm getting.
2: Yeah, this is... uh a game that I don't really know what to do with um, because I don't really know what either team is. The saints are an interesting case because obviously their defense is very good. One of the better defenses in the NFL, the under, I think has hit 11 straight games for them dating back to last season. Yep. Uh, but the offense on paper should be a very good offense. Alvin Kamara is back now. They got good receivers in Chris Olave and Michael Thomas. They got Derek Carr. who was supposed to be, you know, a savior for them, but statistically they've been one of the worst offenses in the NFL through the first five weeks. So, I don't really know what to do with the Saints team, and I don't really know what to do with the Texans team either because they're obviously much improved. But how good are they? Um, A lot of metrics are just very average. They don't do anything extremely well, but they don't do anything bad either, and I don't like that. I like it when I can see a team runs the ball really well but doesn't throw the ball well or can't stop the run but has a great secondary. I like teams that have personalities so I can kind of figure out how to handicap them. And so far, the Texans are just average at everything. And when teams are just average at everything, I don't really know what to do with them. So I'm making what might be the obvious play here, um, but it's the only angle I can really find, and that's just to take the under because it's hit 11 streak games for the Saints. They have a great defense. Um, their offense has been questionable at best. I don't know. I'll take the under and hope the streak continues. This is This is the downside of betting on all 272 games because <laughs> sometimes there's a game I have no idea what to do, uh, to do with, so uh, at those points, I still need to make a bet, because I just dis- decided to bet on every single game, so this one I'm going to take the under, and hope that the under streak for the Saints continues. If, if you really
1: want to have some fun, and I, I wouldn't necessarily encourage this, but you could always you could always tease the game in the total. In this scenario, you can move the Texans to plus seven and a half, you yep. can move the total uh, from 42 to, to 48, and take yep. the under as well. Again, Not necessarily an encouraged play. You always want to try and get those teasers uh, through those key lines of seven and three whenever possible. But if you're really stuck, that's definitely another area that uh, you could at least consider for this game. All right. Plenty more with Ian coming up on the other side. We are going to go through the Bill Belichick-Josh McDaniels battle, uh, an intriguing matchup between the Eagles and the Jets, Eh, Cardinals and Rams, I suppose we can talk about as well. And then the Lions and Bucks, I, I think is actually going to be a little bit more interesting than most people expect, plus the Sunday night games as well. Before we do that, though, should I give you an opportunity to remind all of you that DraftKings Sportsbook continues to hook up their new customers with an offer that is even better than before. If you bet 5 bucks on any game this week, you have an opportunity to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. You're not stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. There's an opportunity to be able to take uh, advantage of all these different odds boosts, uh, some no sweat parlay bets as well. It's a great opportunity to get in on the action over at DraftKings. So get in today. Here's what you do you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use the code KCSN, and new customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you just bet five bucks on the NFL. That's code KCSN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus age. Varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after insurance. That's, uh, a very specific number for hours. I suppose that's what we're going to do things here, but that's fine. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Ugh. I'm going to take a breath. I'll be back with Ian McMillan going through the late slate and the Sunday and Monday night games coming up next. Stay with us. It's Benny and the Bats.
0: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Ben Heisler, host of Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. And I've been so fortunate to have PXG uh, as our sponsor here at KCSN, sponsor of Benny and the Betts. Uh, I-, I think what I've really enjoyed about this partnership is that they have really had an opportunity to dive into Kansas City and so it's nice to be able to refer people who are fans of KCSN to folks that care about the community, that care about making a presence here in Kansas City. Uh, but also they make ridiculous golf clubs as well. Had the fantastic uh, experience getting fit here with Alex Oren. She is the queen of fittings over at PXG. Uh, was the first female fitter in the company's history. She's right here in Kansas City. Uh, did a fitting for about two hours and just had... An absolute blast. Uh, Really got comfortable with every single club in my bag. And they're going to be able to do that for you guys as well. The best part is $25 fittings right now in the month of October. So make sure you guys come on over. to PXG store. They are located here in Overland Park, 119th and Blue Valley Parkway. When you come in, make sure you say hi to Alex, say hi to Jake, say hi to Marcus. The whole crew is going to take such good care of you. Check out, they got brand new fall apparel as well. Some great discounts on all the summer stuff as well. Uh, they've been a great partner for us here at KCSN. We hope that you guys support them and check out everything that they're doing as well. been such a great opportunity. Love the folks at PXG. We know you guys will too. Everything for your bag. Nobody makes clubs the way we do, period. That's PXG and PXG.com. All right, everybody. Ian McMillan from Betsided and Fansided is back with us here on Benny and the Bets, my former colleague over at Minute Media. It is great to have him back with us on the show. We've been going through all the other games in the NFL with no Chiefs playing on Sunday or Monday. Uh, if you don't have uh, or if you haven't had an opportunity to check out Ian's podcast, Bacon Betts. Uh, please go ahead and do so. It is a great way to get your betting fix on for every game in the NFL as he bets on each and every one in the road to 272. It's a really fun listen. Um, there might even be an opportunity over the course of the year where he might make a bet, and uh, if he's unlucky, he might end up with a tattoo.
2: <laughs> Never know. I do need to decide who my tattoo team is. I, I usually like to pick a team around now and see if they win the Super Bowl, i get a tattoo, so... I, um, a good reminder I got to I g I I g I gotta I gotta think about that. What it, I'd be willing to do one with you. How about if if I can get
1: two teams, if I can get like the Chiefs and maybe I do like Chiefs and Eagles and then I, I give you the rest of the field where like if if I if 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 you win um I don't know, we do like fifty bucks so like we can just come up with a, a monetary value. Um, maybe make a donation to uh, to a charity of your choice, something for something good for the people. Uh, but if but if the Chiefs or the Eagles win the Super Bowl, um, you have to get a Taylor Swift tattoo.
2: No, because <laughs> that's that's my pick for what team. That was my preseason pick for who's going to play in the Super Bowl. I predicted the Super Bowl rematch. So if the Chiefs and Eagles play against each other, then I'm I, I have to get a tattoo either way. So. Um no, those are like two of the best teams in the NFL outside the 49ers. Now, if you were to say like I I'm, yeah, I'm giving if you, you were to say like line, a team like like it. the Chargers, then yeah, sure. It's it's got to be a low likelihood thing for me to put a tattoo on the line. Well, I mean, you were you were ready to do it with Arkansas a couple years
1: ago. I think they were a 3 seed.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably the riskiest I'll, I'll ever get. Last year it was around this time last year I said the Jaguars and maybe I'll do it again because I called them the most fraudulent team in the NFL. But I think it was this time last year I said if the Jaguars win the Super Bowl I'll get a uh, Jaguars tattoo. And they got kind of close, they won a playoff game. I was starting to sweat a little bit. Would you get like an would you get a, the the logo or would you get like Trevor Lawrence? No, I get a, I get the logo or maybe the mascot. Okay. I can't get I can't get a tattoo of a player. No, be a logo.
1: All right. Well, if I think of anything else over the course of the show that uh, could be intriguing, we'll let you know. Or uh, you can tweet Ian at IanMacBets for for any additional uh, tattoo bets and ideas as well. Uh, Let's talk about uh, two coaches that uh, nobody seems to really like right now. Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. The Raiders, three-point favorites at home against the bumbling, stumbling Patriots. Bill Belichick breaking records in back-to-back weeks of worst losses as a head coach. Uh, New England just looks stuck in the mud, and my only thought process here is that if there's anybody that knows sort of the incompetencies of Josh McDaniels, it's probably Bill Belichick from working together for so long that maybe that gives New England the chance on defense to slow him down. I I feel like I want to lean under here at 41, but both of these defenses have been bad too, so where do you go with this game? This is one of those that I'm absolutely stuck.
2: No, I am going to go with the under. I know the Patriots defense last week uh, wasn't great for sure against the Saints, but overall the, their defense this season has still been pretty been pretty solid. I think the Patriots are just an under team. Until the total in Patriots games get gets into the 30s, the high 30s, I'm just going to keep betting under every single week. Because if you look at season-long metrics offensively, if you look at EPA per play, which is a little bit more of an advanced stat, but they are dead last in EPA per play. If you look at just yards per player, they're 28th. So arguably the worst offense in the uh, in the NFL the Patriots are. I mean, Mac Jones has been benched two straight weeks. They're going to roll with him again this week. I don't really get that. Um, so I guess I'm just going to go with the under because the Raiders, I was just talking about how the Saints and Texans are two teams that I, I don't really have a good grasp on yet. And I think the Raiders are kind of falling in that same boat too, because they're not a good team, but I mean, they beat the Broncos in week one. They looked decent last week. Um, so I don't, fully know how to evaluate this Raiders team yet either. Um, so I'm going to take the under. I think, I think I'm think i just going to do under in Patriots games either until their offense can start moving the ball and scoring points, which they haven't been able to for two weeks now, uh, or until the total starts getting into the 30s. So with it still being in the 40s, I'll just go off.
1: Well, I've always said on, on this show whenever I'm taping and, and the dog starts barking that I have to take an underdog, it's almost Uh-oh. like... Yeah. Now I have to bet the Patriots. Patriots though. Uh, I wonder if I can out back
2: maybe. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. I don't know if I necessarily want to lean to that direction. Plus three, I suppose, uh, against a not so impressive Raiders team as well. Uh they're also coming off of a shorter week uh from that win, but again, they're they're at home, so not as much of a big deal there. Um I, I think under is probably the the way to go as well. Um AFC or NFC West matchup. You have the Rams seven point favorite against the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I give Arizona a lot of credit for basically showing up to a lot of these games. Um, they've been impressive, and they've first three weeks of the season. I think they had covered in every game. Um, some of their offensive numbers are actually fairly impressive. They're top ten in yards per play. Top 10 in third down conversion percentage. They're a top 10 team in red zone scoring this year. And mm. you have a Rams team that's had some issues on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but then again, so does Arizona. And now factor in Matthew Stafford having a healthy Cooper Cup, having, you know, an impressive Puka Nakua. Uh, Tutu Atwell is still making his mark in, in Cam, not Cam Akers. Um, why am I blanking out on their their running back? Uh, isn't it something Williams? Yeah, Kyron Williams um has been has been excellent and their offensive line still has some issues but they've done a good job in the run blocking scheme and stafford if he gets the ball out quick to some really good possession receivers in, in, in Kopp and nakua uh even downfield threats they've been fantastic um seven points feels like a reasonable line at home even against an arizona team that has really kind of outplayed their expectations um But again, it's seven, and it's a divisional game, and that's still a lot of points for a Rams team that
2: still isn't very good. So so where do you lean on this matchup? I bet this game early in the week when the Rams are still a six-point favorite, so i got them at minus six. I don't love it as much at seven because obviously seven is one of those magic numbers, but I think I would still lean the Rams a little bit. I know the the Cardinals were very scrappy the first couple weeks, um, but I think we saw them kind of look more like the team they're supposed to be and going to be. We saw it last week. Josh Dobbs finally did not look good at all through two bad interceptions. Um, Their defense has been terrible. Um, Specifically, their secondary, which is not good against this Rams team, 29th in opponent completion percentage and 25th in opponent yards per pass attempt. And now they need to go on the road to face, as you mentioned, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, Buka Nakua, Tutu Atwell. Uh, Bad matchup for the Cardinals defense. So I think it's a little, I think it's maybe this week and next week is going to be the last chances for us to sell kind of high on the Cardinals. If you want to say they're a sell high team, Uh, obviously they don't have a ton of wins to go along with it, but I think they are crashing back down to earth and within five weeks, we're going to start looking at them uh, as the worst team in the NFL, like we did before the season started. So um, I'm going to lay the points of the Rams. I got it at six. Don't love it as much at seven, but if you know, I had to make a bet right now. I'd probably still go that direction. I don't love the total 48.5, 49, depending on where you look. I think that's probably set at the right number. So I'll lay I'll lay the points of the Rams. Uh, I was high on the Rams coming into the season. I still think they're obviously not as good as they were when they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, but much better than they were last year. And their offense is uh, one of the more exciting offenses in the NFL. So I'll take the Rams at home.
1: Yeah, I, I think the Rams is still the play. Obviously, if it gets to 7.5, that changes the story there. Division games, that type of number, though, scares me off a little bit, but I still think the Rams are the play. You and I are once again in agreement. Uh, Eagles going to New York to take on the Jets. I suppose I should call it New Jersey. That's where they actually play. Six and a half point favorite on the road are Philadelphia going up against the Jets. So I think initially, my, my, thirst, my first thought was Zach Wilson's going to have a rough afternoon going up against that Philly front four. But then... If he does get any sort of protection, the Eagles secondary has been amongst the worst in the NFL. They've given up a ton of big plays all year, and you have a Jets defense that has been excellent, fairly consistent throughout the course of the year, maybe a blip on the radar in that game against Denver, but they really locked down Russell Wilson when they needed to in the second half. Um, And for as bad as Denver has looked, Wilson has had a fairly decent year. Um, I think the fact that this number is back down to six and a half as opposed to seven Uh, might be an indication of of where this line could ultimately go. Uh, The Eagles have played in a lot of close games this year, and a lot of games that you expect them to win in blowout fashion, they don't take care of business. Jets at home, they play a a pretty passion-type football, Um, and if their defense shows up and Wilson makes a couple plays downfield, I don't know if they necessarily upset the Eagles, but I do think they can hang around and cover the 6.5. So that's probably where I'm leaning, or maybe I just hope that the public just goes heavy on Philadelphia now try to get the Jets back at seven.
2: Yeah, if you can get a, a 7, 7.5, I might lean Jets. I bet the Eagles a minus 6.5, though, under that magic number of 7. It is strange because I actually think I haven't actually been super impressed with the Jets' defense, to be honest, because last year, their Jets' defense, in almost every metric, they were top three in the NFL, and it kept them in a lot of games. Neither Both these defenses have probably been two of the more disappointing defenses in the NFL this season. To me, the Jets, if you look at, like, opponent EPA per play. The Jets are 19th heading into it this week. They've had some strong performances, but they haven't been as good as they were last year, where I made the case at times last year, they were the best defense in the NFL. Um, But then again, the Eagles defense hasn't been great either, specifically their secondary. So It's kind of a weird spot for me. I think I'm just going to wash both defenses um, because they're both defenses that could play better than what they have performed for the most part this season. So then if you just evaluate the offenses, it's the Eagles offense, in my opinion, miles ahead of the Jets offense. So uh, I'm going to lay the points of the Jets. Certainly not one of my more confident plays. Uh, One that if I wasn't betting on all 272 games, I might just stay away because I need to learn more from both these teams, I think. And I do think the Eagles have not played as well as their 5-0 record indicates. But because I have to bet on every single game, I did slightly lean towards laying the points of the Eagles because I'm, I'm going to wash the two defenses. And then the offense is, I think, a pretty significant advantage for Philadelphia. So I'll go with the Eagles.
1: A fun note from Evan Abrams uh, that home teams, or excuse me, home underdogs versus undefeated straight-up road teams, 61-38-1 against the spread mm-hmm. over the last 10 years. 88 53 and two against the spread since 2010. All right. Last late afternoon window before we get to the Sunday night and Monday night game. Again, Ian McMillan of Bet Sided and Fan Sided, senior editor over there, is with us. Very generous with his time. You should be following him at Ian Bets as well as checking out the Bacon Bets podcast. Buccaneers, three point home dogs against the Lions. 42 is the total. Uh, Buccaneers coming off of a bye week, going up against a Lions team that uh, really was impressive, but maybe not so impressive when you look at who they were actually playing. I, I, I kind of like Tampa here. Uh, I know that this was not a team that impressed a lot of people going into the start of the season, and Detroit's defense, especially with their their front seven, could provide uh, a bit of an issue for Baker. Maybe we start to see the the turnover-prone Mayfield, but um, I, I think a lot of this also comes down to whether or not Mike Evans is going to play, because if Evans is in the lineup, um, Detroit's been dealing with a lot of injuries in their secondary Uh, And I do think they're going to be able to move the ball. Three points at home against the Buccaneers team on defense that has been better than most people anticipate. I I think it's a reasonable line here, especially coming off the bye.
2: Uh, We are on opposite sides for this one, my friend. Uh, I love the Lions in this spot. I'm not high on the Buccaneers whatsoever. Um, They did make my list of top five. most fraudulent teams in the NFL. I think I put them on number four because I do hear a lot of people that are relatively high on the Buccaneers heading into this week. Uh, I am not one of those people. Um, They have no run game They're dead last in the NFL in yards per carry So you can win games When you have Tom Brady as your quarterback uh, With zero run game uh, Can you do that with Baker Mayfield Now I actually like Baker Mayfield I was, I thought a lot of people Didn't believe in him heading into this year I actually thought he was going to do better than people expected But I like Baker Mayfield, uh, Baker Mayfield A lot more when he has a run game That he can lean on He does not have that uh, in Tampa Bay The run game has been atrocious Um, now he still is playing well enough that they're going to beat bad teams um, or at least give themselves a chance to beat bad teams. I don't think they can beat the Lions. I don't think their offense can keep up with the Lions team who has lived up to the offseason hype. Uh, I talk about net yards per play. I've already mentioned it 10 times on this show, Ben, Uh, but uh, Lions fourth in the NFL in net yards per play behind only the Dolphins, 49ers, and Ravens. I know they have some issues in the second era with some injuries, but I'm, I'm actually very, very high in this Lions team, and I think the Buccaneers come crashing down to earth a little bit this week. So um, I love Detroit uh, in this spot. Um, if the Buccaneers can start running the ball successfully, then I would like this team a lot more, but I just don't think they're a team that can win on a weekly basis with having 100% of the pressure on Baker Mayfield's shoulders.
1: Yeah, perfectly reasonable take. And again, I, I also like Tampa for a few different reasons. I, I think Goff has had his struggles in outdoor games over the course of his career. He's had his struggles in covering games on the road over the course of his career. Now he's been much better as of late. And yes, Detroit still has very good options in the receiving game. And Ben Johnson is looking like he's going to be a terrific NFL coach one day. But what gets their offense going is the run game leading to play action for Goff. And if you're looking to the Buccaneers' defense to say, what, what's one thing that you know you do really well? It, it's stopping the run game. No Jameer Gibbs for a while, that's going to excuse me, he's um, he's just kind of being sort of put off to the side. David Montgomery, um, likely to try and get anywhere between you know, 20 to 30 carries per game. Uh, he's coming off of an injury as well, played well, but at, at some point they're going to run him into the ground, and, and that is a bit of a concern as well. Lions are a very good team, like very balanced on both sides of the ball. But I do think the Bucks' strengths play into this matchup a little bit better than maybe most anticipate. But listen, it's one of those games, too, Ian, where if you're making an argument for Detroit a plus three, given how good they've looked, I'm not going to be like, that's a crazy take. So, yeah, we just happen to be on opposite sides here. Two more games. Um, I don't even know if you really want to dive into the Giants and the Bills. Bills are getting 15. They're laying 15 at home against the Giants on Sunday Night Football with a total of 44. Historically, road games as a big underdog are where Daniel Jones has shined against the spread. He's been a much better against the spread quarterback on the road than at home over the course of his career, but he's also been terrible in primetime. So are you looking at the total here? Do you think this is a reasonable enough line for Buffalo, who is coming back from London uh, with a loss? The other thing I think you have to consider for Buffalo is that when the Bills win they usually blow out teams and they're yes. very good at covering the spread. It's the close games that the bills have had issues
2: with in, in closing out. The covering. Yeah. That, yeah. That's exactly one of my points. Why I like the bills here. If there's one team that I, that I'm not concerned about laying a big number on, it's the bills. Cause they, they win their games big. Uh, I, I read a stat once last week. And I tried to find it again this week and I couldn't, but it was something like, it was like 80% of Josh Allen's wins have come by more than a touchdown or something like that. Uh, It's a crazy number, Um, and even they have two losses on the year already this season. They're 3-2, and but they have an average scoring margin of plus 15.8, which is, I think, second or third in the NFL, despite losing two games. So they win big, Um, and I have no interest betting on the New York Giants, who are, in my opinion, the worst football team in the NFL and one of the worst football teams I've had to watch throughout my history of being a football fan. Net yards per play, I'm going to talk about it again dead last in the NFL, minus 2.3 is their net yards per play. The next worst team is minus 1.4. So in terms of net yards per play, they're almost an entire yard worse than the next worst team. That is disgusting. It is hard to be that bad of a football team. I don't care. You can... Give them, you know, a 20-point spread. I don't think I'd bet on the Giants. I just can't do it. Not only are they a bad team, they're terrible to watch. I've bet on them a couple times already this season. I went to their season opener against the Cowboys, left halfway through the second quarter. I left a game for the first time uh, early, for the first time my entire life. Unbelievable. Even if I thought the Giants were the right side, I don't know if I'd want to bet on them and have to cheer for them because they're painful. They don't have an offensive line. They have literal pylons playing offensive line for them. It's unbelievable. Daniel Jones doesn't even get time to throw. No, they're terrible. Terrible. Um,
1: terrible. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bills. I'm laying the points with the Bills. Okay. <laughs> Point understood. I'm also looking, if you're looking for some props in this game, uh, some longest reception props have been very, very good against the Giants this year given how much they blitz. Mm. And so there's a ton of chunk plays. So whether you're looking at Gabe Davis at Tony and a half, James Cook is only 10 and a half for a longest reception play. That, that might be an automatic play for me and then Stefan digs it over 26 and a half. That that's pretty long, but really anybody on Buffalo that you believe has the ability to stretch the the field, maybe Dalton Kincaid when that number comes out as well. Uh just the Giants always send pressure. And because they're just in such rough shape, teams just get them burned week in and week out. So I, I think from a prop perspective, uh that might be an area that I'm looking at for this game. And then the final one, Ian, uh, you got the Monday night game between uh, oh, I just lost it for a second. Uh the Wait for it. Wait for yes. it. The Dallas Cowboys uh <laughs> going to uh SoFi to take on the Chargers, Cowboys two and a half point favorites in that matchup against LA. Um, you know, I, I'd like the Chargers to, or excuse me, I like the Cowboys in a bounce back spot here. Uh Chargers never seem to find a way to to pull off these, these short spreads. These are almost always the games that the Chargers lose, they have a very important matchup coming up next week against the Chiefs could be a look ahead spot for them. Um, I-, I-, I like Dallas here and I think it's going to be a nice bounce back opportunity for, for Prescott uh, given what we saw last week. Um, I don't know if you saw this stat about Justin Herbert and the Chargers, but um, bottom five, like in the NFL history and covering second half spreads. Like they just, their entire game plan completely shifts. So, I don't even mind taking the Chargers as a first-half bet uh, and then just pouncing on Dallas in the second-half money line, uh, knowing that the Chargers are likely to charge her all over themselves.
2: Um, yeah, I brought up the fraudulent rankings earlier, Ben, um, and the Cowboys were number one on the list two straight weeks. I had to drop them down to number five because I thought after their performance uh, this past weekend to so 49ers, everyone else realized um, the truth about the Cowboys, which is that, in my opinion, they're an average football team so i will not be betting on the cowboys in this spot uh yeah if they didn't have that loss they would be the most fraudulent team in the nfl net yards per play 20th um and net yards per play a lot of their success early in the season came off defensive turnovers and special teams plays um and look who they played the first four weeks arguably the four worst teams in the entire nfl the giants the jets the patriots uh and the cardinals yeah sure they went three and one they lost to the cardinals Um, and yeah, they won the, the games they did win were by wide margins. But like I said, a lot of that was defensive turnovers. A lot of that was special teams play like the blocked field goal against the Giants in week one. Um, and in my opinion, now this might be a hot take. A lot of people don't agree with me on this, but I actually think turnovers are more of a result of the offense messing up than it is the defense making a play. Obviously the defense needs to be in the right place at the right time. Something like a strip sack is, I guess you could argue is, is the result of a good pass rusher. Um, But the offense needs to make mistakes for those turnovers to happen. So I look at turnovers more as a luck thing, slightly, uh, than other people do. So I'm not rating the Cowboys high because they beat really bad teams by getting turnovers and returning them for touchdowns or putting their offense in great positions. This is, even though they've had a very weak schedule up until the 49ers, they're below average in almost every single metric you want to look at. Uh, Their coaching has been a huge issue. I think Mike McCarthy might be the worst coach in the NFL. Dak Prescott does not look good. Um, I'm betting the Chargers with the points. That's the thing that keeps eating at me is that I have to take a stand and
1: and bet on a Mike McCarthy coach team. There there are some really smart people in the betting community that were like Dallas at 18 to one to win the Super Bowl at the start of the preseason. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't see the pair line. I don't see the... How can you be so brilliant and then want to take Mike McCarthy to, to win a Super Bowl? That just never added up to me in any sort of sense, but. Yeah, the Chargers for a talent level, um, they can hang with Dallas. It's just a matter of whether or not the Chargers are going to be able to close out games, and they have just shown a propensity to not be able to do so. But should be at least a, a fun and entertaining Monday night game, uh, which we will certainly take. Ian, you're the best. I appreciate you making time for us. Uh, a longer episode than normal as we went through every game, but uh, because it's what Ian does so well uh, over at fan Sided and the Bacon Bets podcast, make sure you guys check it out. There's other plays that I know that he talked about as well. Uh, including the teaser of the week, a couple props as well. I appreciate your time,
2: man. It's great to see you. Continued success, and uh, we will do this again soon. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate it. It's nice to talk to you, Ben. Take care, and uh, good luck with your bets this week. Thanks, bye.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun.